welcome to the Philia podcast. Philia means daughter. We are the daughters of the women who came before us and we fight so that our daughters may be free. We are a women-led volunteer organization. Our vision is a world free from patriarchy where all women and girls are liberated. We seek to contribute to the women's liberation movement by building sisterhood and solidarity among women locally, nationally, and globally. By amplifying the voices of women, particularly those less often heard or purposefully silenced, and by defending women's human rights. Our podcast seeks to shed light on some of the most pressing issues facing women and girls around the world. Please take from them what you can. In sisterhood and in solidarity, the Philia team. Okay, so I'm really pleased to be joined today by Tua. Um, she's a woman that's been living in the UK for a little while now, but originally from Cameroon. And we're going to talk to her today about her journey um, and her, her life journey, really, from, from those early days in Cameroon to where she is now. Um, this is Sally Jackson, volunteer at Philia, um, and really interested to to hear about your story and your journey to her. Thanks ever so much for joining us. So perhaps you could Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sally. You're welcome. Perhaps we could we could start with, you know, back in Cameroon. Tell us a little bit about your, your early life and, and what life was like for you when you when you were living there. Back in Cameroon at the age of 13, well you want me to talk about my lesbian life or just oh, a my bit whole, of both really maybe what, what it was like just you know yeah, life um, back in Cameroon it was really it was really dif difficult it was really difficult we live a very poverty life very very my parents very very absolutely poor both parents were all farmers and um, they had no money to educate us no money to elevate us to a different like being normal children who were really, I was just me and my junior brother, my junior brother passed away. So, and my father went, um, initiated himself in a witchcraft, which I was told, you know, so a lot of things happened, but he was in this chief, something like a chief thing. So, apparently, he had so much to carry on in the village and he was killed, and then he initiated some things to my mother as well. Which my mother cannot. So we're living. We're like living from from hand to mouth, just like going to the farm. If we don't go to the farm, we can't have any food. So my mother was really, really struggling, and I grew up to be that little, like a little angel to my mom that never wanted me one day to to go anywhere. I was always like the flower to her, holding my hands to go, you know. So I grew up in that way, going to church and with my mother. But, you know, I had that sensation in me that I like almost, when I'm in school, I always like to go to, when I was in primary school, I always like to stay only with girls around me. I never liked boys. So my mother was like looking at so many things. People were talking around. Some people always talk and say, are you sure twice all right? Are you sure twice all right? You know, I'm going to leave my daughter alone, leave her alone. To have a, we'll have a room 
and a living room, just like a, like a plank house, very old building, very old, no village life. You sleep, my mother would sleep, maybe I'll sleep on the floor with um, like a wrapper cloth to put on the floor. Very, very old type of way of living. But we enjoyed it because we had nothing. But by then there was no like killing us like now. The world was a bit quiet and we have one. Our lamp that we're using, instead of electric, we use our lamp mm -hmm. all night. My mother would put the lamp low in the morning, put the lamp. So during the day we'll try to make everything fast, 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 so that we should, we should not get dark to when we are cooking. So I had that life and then grew up to become teaching. And I found that I'm attracted, attracted only with, with ladies. Um, fortunately for me, my mother wasn't really, really happy. And she never wanted things to escalate. And because there was a lady in my village who was, she was killed by the, um, the men in the village, but they met her, was with a lady, they were kissing, and then she was beaten to death. So um, just tried because to she was, me. just because she was found they with another going, woman. They were, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were having a relationship a long mm -hmm. time, but we, you know, we were having a relationship a long time, so, well, my mother always take me to church, they will pray for me, they will call or say they want to take that demon out of me, they want to take that taboo out of me, my mother will be praying and shouting and crying that don't do this to me, you know, you're the only daughter. If you do this to me, people say, do you want? So for me, I was looking at my mother like a mad woman because I never had any, you know, I was just doing what my heart, what I was because in my body, I feel I was different because I was growing with a masculine body like a, like men, you know. I was growing in a different way. I was not behaving like female, if I was behaving almost like different, different child. I was growing in a different I don't like, I was not putting on brows just like that. I was really, really in a different way. So everybody was like, what is this girl going to be? What is this girl going to be? So I ended up having a relationship with one lady in the village called Linda. And Linda was killed, which hurt me so much. And I'm still actually asking God to forgive because she was coming to visit me and she was, they killed her on the way. So we get we're dating for some time and Linda always called Linda was a bit grown up, was a bit into this um she, she knew a lot of life more than me. So she will take me to like a stream, we'll go there in the in the bush, have our relationship there, kissing, affection, you know, come back. One day one farmer met us, um, coming back home. The farmer knew my mom and the farmer was screaming. Oh, shouting the whole, you know, it was a small village that immediately any alarm blew, everybody would come. So they were shouting, came to my mother. My mother said, my mother was cooking behind in the fireside, was cooking. So they said, my mother said, no, I'm going to say, what school? Their daughter, oh God, taboo, you know, scream. my mother was like, what is happening? So she was, I know, she was just, she never knew what was really going on. People were screaming and screaming and screaming. So I went and hide in Linda's place. I went and hide there for some time. And then I came back in the evening, around like eight in the evening. So it was really a very narrow road that I can be passing, you know, with all those in the farms and everything. My mother was, how did you manage to go through all this? You know, in the village, we're not scared. We're just doing our thing. We're not going around and around. Most more boys will meet me on the way. Like, okay, you want me to go and escort you first? Are you, are you scared? No. 
I'll go my way. Like my mother has got me well beaten. My mother got me well beaten that night. My mother gave me the beating of my life. Beat me with the big big sticks and belt. All my body was all with marks and everything. Throw water on the floor. That should sleep on the floor. Wrap me. One of her one of her friend came as well. She knows me. He picked me up all of the joy, you know, you know that about beating. I was crying and crying. He said, if you bring shame to this village, you are bringing shame. That's an evil thing you are doing. He let me know. So now a woman came and said, don't do this. Have a dialogue with your daughter. Try to talk to her and see if she's going to tell you the truth. So don't worry. I know a lot of things happen. So my mother asked me that. How do you feel if a man comes to get married to you? I said, I don't want a man. I was crying. I said, I don't want any man. He said, how do you feel if a woman comes to get married to you? I said, which woman? I was just, you know, I was not really, really talking to my mother. I have to get off. Just get off. I don't want to talk to my mother. I don't want to talk to my mother. Oh, we're like enemies now in the whole in the house. So I'll go my way. I'll, I'll get up in the morning because that never stopped me to go and see Linda. I'll get up in the morning. I will go and meet Linda, you know. You know when you are in something, you can't stop it. I'll go and meet Linda. Meet Linda, we'll have our phone. I'll come back. I'll just leave the house and go and go and go and go. Everybody was like looking strange for my behavior, everything. One day, one of my mother's um, relations came home. They took me to a church. Oh my God, Sally. They put me on my knees. They were praying. They were praying. Praying. That demonic evil. That demonic evil. They were going to put chili. They said they will put chili in my, in my pussy. They were going to put chili. Early, if I catch me anymore, they will put chili. What they were saying, they will put chili. I said, Chili, I want to say they will be they will carry chili like this grand chili. I said, If you play, if you see you again near any girl, that's what we're going to do to you. I'm going to tie you in the village, and all the men in this village will have sex with you. I want to say, That's what they will do to me when I was crying. Say, if we catch you anymore again, if we see that habit again, that's what we're going to do to you. We're going to bring you out of your mother's house. We'll put you in front of the village and all the men in this village will have sex with you and they will put chili in your pussy and they leave you there to take you back to your mother's house. The next time you'll never go near a woman. So my mother was like, don't do this to her. My mother was just so scared. And then when I grew up, Linda died. And I was like, 50 Linda, they killed Linda. She was coming to my house. I don't really know what happened. I don't really know what happened. I don't really know. I can't, I can't even tell. Because she was coming to our way. So they met her on the street. They killed her. So I don't know. They killed her and they, they beat the other lady, the girl that she was going out with. And the girl, she's the one who came and told people. She, Linda came to visit her, coming back with her. And then she was found. They killed Linda. But we don't know. I don't know what happened. So they only came. Somebody ran, came to my mother's house and said, oh, have you heard what, what happened? I was behind washing clothes. Have you heard? They were special, they were special, they were special. My mother said she's there washing clothes. I was washing clothes with her. She said, have you heard what happened at the other quarter side? 
that killed him. That's why when I was angry, they went out. You know, Lila was my my love, and then the affection was there. So I became so sad, so very sad. I never wanted to hear anything to my mother. My mother was talking to me. I was just my my depression. I was so I was so a bit low, very low. I was crying and thinking. You know, I was thinking then. I was having that fear that if I go out, they're gonna do the same to me. So you each time I went out, they don't go out. Yeah, you must have been really don't fearful. <laughs> yeah, don't go out. If you go out, you see what I was having that thought that one day I'm gonna die like that. It was it was ringing in my head, and one day I'm gonna. So I was a bit. So for some time I never went out. I was only in the house. So one day I slept. My mother came. I was just like, you know, talking, holding the pillow, talking to myself, oh, Linda, oh, Linda, oh, Linda. my mother, get up and was watching me. Said, what are you doing? Are you playing with you? I said, what are you doing? Do you want to bring disgrace in this fam- family? What are you doing? What has come to you? What disgrace are you giving to people in this family? What are you doing? So that, that brings... My mother arranging for marriage, which I never knew. That was almost end of. I had one Nigerian girl called Ebere. We did. We're going. She knew me and Linda. Then she took the advantage that Linda is not there, and then started coming to, to see me or we'll talk. And then one day, just say, oh, let me just stay with you, just to come. You know that you are you are unhappy now, but you can be with me. Linda's no more, and Linda will never come back. You know. He was looking to for a younger girlfriend, so he was playing with me there. So we had some nice fun with her. And then one day people came to my mother, and I was around, and I was 15, ending of 15, entering 16. So men came to see my mother. My mother said, one of my cousins, one of my cousins said, your mother is arranging to give you a marriage. My mother was behaving so nice with me was talking to me. So I said, how can you be behaving so nice to me of all these things that you nasty things that you have done to my life? You can't be behaving nice to me. You can't be behaving nice to me. She said, no, people are coming. I said, I've heard what you are doing, but not for me. I said, they're going to close my eyes. I said, they're going to kill me before they'll do things like that to my life. I said, not for me. I'm not going to. If you are getting an arrangement with marry, I am not getting any marriage to anybody. I will go with my heart. That's what I said. And then I sat, one day I went to the farm with my mother, came back. A lot of people have passed one chief. The chief was Mr. Paul Mboy. So the man had a lot of money. They like to get married to small, small girls. So my mother said, they'll be asking for my hand for marriage because I don't want you to die. I don't want you to be killed like other girls on the streets. So I want to protect you. So I said, my mother protecting me for how? Why, what are you protecting me for? I'm not going to get married to Mr. Boy, and Mr. Boy is not going to be in my house. Well, if you don't want, then you're not going to be my, my daughter. I'm getting old. Anything can happen to my life. I can die tomorrow. And if you stay if you stay in this village alone, they're going to kill you. And I know it's because of me. They can't kill you. Your brother is gone. Look at your friends. Look at everybody in the village. You know, we are poor. We don't have money. And I need to do this because for you to so for me to survive. That's what she was saying. I was having another plan in my head. I sat in the house. I was not talking. 
for my mom. I was having plan B. You know, I said they got plan A, so plan B is what? Let me run. So my mother have made that, that man, Mr. Mbue, have made a lot of connection with all the roads. I mean, it was just like one road, two roads in the village. So if I go anywhere, try to run. I try to run. So my friend, um, Abere, my girlfriend, other girlfriend, we had a sound that we always call each other. She would put her um, she put her finger in her mouth and she like she blow like a whistle, and I'll hear her to come around. Yes, I'll listen to her and then I'll go and meet her. Then I'll meet her. Then she'll be calling. She'll be she'll be blowing the sound until I'll follow the sound. I'll meet her. That's how we meet. Because by then we had no phone, so that's how we do it. By whistling and they'll follow. And then we start there, and then a group of boys came. A group of men came, and they took me with a tie my hands, tie my hand, brought me my mother's compass. And it's asked me to put my hand up and slip down and they lay me beating. Gave me so much beating and marks on my body that I cannot even walk. Like I was in the house like for two weeks, can't even walk. They beating me. They said the next time they see me again yet again. They showed me so much, you know, like cutlasses. It's real African cutlasses. They said they're gonna cut my neck off me and put me in the bin. They will not even say they'll put you or they'll bury me alive. That's what they said. Say, yeah, you know that about me. I was like, oh. I was crying and crying and crying. I was like, what have I done? What have I done to deserve this? How can I run from this place? What have I done? What have I done? So my mother arranged for this marriage now. It became the one that I had no choice. It wasn't my will. I had no choice. My boy came and paid of my diary to my mother. And then my mother gave me hand to marry. And in this marriage, I have the worst time. I entered the marriage. I, I went with Mr. Boy. They arranged everything, made the arrangement. My mother took me. They took me there. In Mr. Boy's house, I have no choice. I was just, you know, where you don't, it's not about your will. It's not you want to go there. You are not happy. I wasn't happy at all. I've never lived in that type of house that they have savan, they have everything. I live only with my mom, happy for what my mom will cook. Even if we don't have meat to eat, we have just vegetable, I'm happy. They're there, they serve you. You know, he, he had a lot of um, people work for, her, for him, chindas and everything. That was not my life. So it was a bit strange for me. It was really strange for me. I've never lived that type of house. It was a bit strange for me. And I was still a virgin by then. And then, this man was beating me if you want to sex, have sex with me. I've never and ever had that type of life. I've never ever gone through what I passed in this man's life. He was so devastated, so heartbroken. When this man wants to make love with me, maybe sometimes I will cry. I will try to fight with him. I will try to bite him. And then he said, okay, you try, I'm going to kill you in this house. I paid daddy for your mom. One day you have to tie my leg like that. You have sex with me. That's why he be disveging. He gave me, disveging me. Mm. sex with me so strong that I was screaming. I was bleeding. And they left me in the room and left and went, you are my wife. You do what I say. You don't do what others say. You do what I say. So I said to the man that I don't like men. I like the women. 
said, but your mom said, your mom, your mom, your mom want me to get married to you. I said, I don't like women. I don't like men. I like the women. So you bringing me here, you're wasting your time. I'll never love you. He said, okay, we're going to see. So I stay in that house. I was maltreated like a slave. I had no happiness on my own. Like a woman who, go, who went for a marriage that you will be happy. And after two years, I was pregnant with twins. And my mother passed away. My mother died, which I managed to visit with him, with his all wealthy and everything. He did and buried my mother. So I was pregnant for six months and I said, I'm not going to carry this baby because I was not happy the way I was pregnant, you know, with all the force and everything he was doing to me. So he was in where was in a sect society that a lot of people have a lot of meetings in that house. And I was that little girl which I want to know all what happened. I was so much interesting to know. I will ask questions and ask boldness to know. I will try when he goes out, I always try to see which keys open which doors, you know, to see if I can find my way. Try to make some relation friend with them, the guys to see. There was one guy called SME. So SME says to me, it will be difficult, but don't do things that tomorrow they're gonna kill you. Yeah, because this man is dangerous. I always say, say, you know, this man has a lot of willpower. I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of everybody in this community. So I said, I don't know. And never a day my mother came there to see me. My mother always come, but I don't want to see her. She will come and talk. I don't want to see her. And then I heard that my mother passed away. So there was one woman in the village who went back and told my mother, why did you give your daughter to that man? A lot of women have gone to that man's house and they never came back, they died. So do you want your daughter to die? Do you want your daughter to die? So what are you doing to your daughter? So why if your daughter chooses to be a lesbian, it's, it's not a problem. So why we know things happen, but you have to give your daughter that space. You don't have to go and stay. She's too young. She's very young. That man, that man was 40 years going to go to work. I was there one day. I told her, I said, me that me, I will come out from this place. I, will, I was not eating. It's when I was pregnant. I was eating. I eat just tiny bit. When they forced me, beat me, I will eat. And then I did. He told me, if I want to go, out of this marriage. I'm not going to go with his children. It means that I have to abort these children. And he will abort these children. So I will not go. One day, he tries to make love with me. With that pregnancy of six months, would force my head, push my head like this. Then behind me was having sex with me. And then he used, there was, I don't know what he used as a help. They put in between my vagina, and then I was having that feeling. My tummy was aching, paining for two good days. I was crying, pain, pain, shouting on the floor, on the floor, bleeding. Until one of the seven called SMF, killing me. My husband left me there and went.
I was this SMA came from the, the, can, the village I came from. So you can speak my language, my mother's tongue. So SMA said, I'm going to help you. He's the one who helped me and opened one door for me. I was crawling, crying. To be sincere, I don't really know the strength that I got. I was crying and then I went off. There was a little hill. I went off and then at the roadside, I met a lorry. The lorry was passing and were waving and they stopped. They saw me bleeding, took me, grabbed me with that, with that guy, said, so hold me. I was thinking, oh, that. I would rush with me now to the local. In that village, the only hospital was have to come to Kumba. So that village was Kumba. We have come to Kumba. Another town is like an hour or 45 minutes. So they drove that evening to Kumba. They made me, I was, everybody was talking, bleeding, 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 bleeding. So what happened? What happened? Innocent me, I was scared to be talking. I was so scared that my husband would come back there to look for me. That was my thinking. I was scared. So the man said, don't be scared. Talk. What? We'll help you. I said, no, 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 I can't talk. I said, please, just help me. Clean. Just help me. My tummy is telling me. So they have to do like a DNC, clean me off. And they took all the baby. Baby was already dead because of the convulsion that he put in me. Mm. I was I was so sick and I was so scared to be in the hospital for long. So I have to escape from the hospital. I have to escape. So they came. They were looking, they were looking for me. I've escaped from the hospital. I met a one lady. Hopefully. And the lady said to me, Oh, you can't stay with me with this condition. Because I was ill. I didn't take all my I didn't take all my my, my medication because I was scared that maybe they will contact Mr. Boy or he will come and then he will take me back, which I never wanted to go back. I said, Let me if he's dead, let me down the street. And then that lady said to me, Oh, well, I can't keep you for a long time. But I have a lady that I can call in another town called Douala, which is um, which is like one and a half hours is economical capital Sani Kamara. So to meet when I was the age of like nineteen, I was the age of nineteen. I was not married for mm. two years. So I went to a place called Douala. I was there for like oh, over like three months. I was just hiding. Only maybe said three or four months. I was hiding. There's a woman who have um like uh, they call it what a buffet, like a beer. Some people come and drink, bring um eat like a chicken pot. Yes, and then girls. There will be girls there. The men they will look for girls to sleep with. Yeah. So I was just already said to me, oh, you've come here. You've not come here to sleep. You've come here to work. I'm, I'm the one getting the money. I said, no, I can't do this because I'm not feeling well. He said, okay, if you're not feeling well, then whoever brought you, you have to go back where you come from. Because we are not here to keep people who are ill. If anything happened to you, they're going to look for us and we, we can't keep, we can't afford to keep you. We're here to, to make money. That's what the woman said. So in there, as God's kind, I met a man who took me one night, like a prostitute took me because I had no choice. Took me one night, said to me, I will help you too. So I explained everything. I was crying like a crying and screaming, explained everything to the man. The man took me now to a hospital in Duala. And the man said to me, I'll go, I'll take you for like 
you know, control to see what is happening, checking up and everything. So animal said, I don't live in Cameroon. I live in, in, in Gabon and I work in Gabon. I work with the oil company so I can take you, I can help you if you want. Okay. So the man never slept with me. The man was even having pity on me. So he brought me back that day and he said, don't say anything to those girls. They will not say anything to those girls. I said, I was even scared. I said, let this man not go and kill me. You know, my mind was not set to everything. I was scared. And then later on, one day later, the man came. I said, I will take you to the ship. By then, ship can go to, uh, what they call it, uh, Libreville, Gabon. So the man take me to Libreville there. I said, I'll help you. You know, Libreville is another part of Cameroon, very far. So from then I was okay. Somewhere I cannot know where I am. So I was running for my husband. So I came and I met a lady there. She was a lesbian. We were just, we were just, so she saw me very quiet every day. So they said to me, you've been here now. So this is what we do. Yeah, it's only the prostitution work. Like, the bro- is it brutal? They call that house. So you have to wait. There are men that will come and take you. So, well, I said to the woman, I can wash your plate. The one, she said, okay, but who brought you here? Is Victor who brought you here? Victor, I've explained to you. This is what you want to say. You want to get money. That's how we don't give anybody money here. So you have to work for your money by selling your body. Oh, I said, God, I've left trouble and I've come again in another trouble, you know. So it was it was not a good life. It was not a good life for me. Mm. So I did so much things just to survive my life, just to survive, not to have not to have been killed in that run, you know. But thank be to God. I met a lady who was called um, Obi, Mrs. Obi, the age of when I was like 23, 24. I met this lady and she said, they said one man made me to know her. I said, he helped people to bring them to Europe. I don't know what document she used. She said she helped people. She said, I'll make it. So one man who slept with me had this, all this money. So he's going to help you. I'm gonna help you. I'll meet you, Miss Obi. Miss Obi can help you to go to Europe, Italy. We're just calling Europe. I said, so I was hearing Europe, Europe. You know, I was happy, 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 happy. <laughs> and then this woman did everything. All the paperwork. I don't even know by then. I don't even know. As I don't even know how to even what to do. He was the one who did everything. I know. I entered a plane with her, and we arrived, and then. I was locked up in a house here in London. She was the one who everything. That's how I came to my trafficking. Yeah, she brought everything, locked me up, and then told me that give me your passport. Now this is a business. You will work for me and pay me. You have to pay me this type of money. Before she said I have to give her three million. Three million is like four thousand pounds. Yes, I have to give it to her. Three million. So I said I don't have me any money. The only money I came with was like 300,000, 300,000, which was like 250 pounds in this country. So that's the only money I had to me. But I don't have any other money. You took the money off me. So where am I going to have money? She said to me, if I open my mouth, you're going to send me back. So I was crying. I said, please don't send me back. You know what I've gone through in my life. If I go back, 
it's not gonna be it's not gonna be good for me. You know, not knowing that he have another plan in her head to do what she was doing. So I met so many girls. And one of the girls told me that my sister, you don't have to fight with this woman. If you fight with this woman, maybe you fight your life to a different country. You don't fight with her, just be just be quiet and just watch. Maybe one day things will be better. I was thinking, will I go to the police? Will I ask? Because they were refused. I can't even go out. I can't even I just came. I can't. So she gave, she gave an order. They shouldn't allow me to go out. Some girls don't go out. She gave an order. They don't allow anybody to go out. Whoever comes, the man who comes, they will sleep with her there. One day a man came to me. Oh, I promised Hey, to her customer. I said, I, was, I said to her, which customer? I said, I'm not sleeping with anyone. I was proving that strong. I said, I'm not. You only kill me yet. I am not. Man, the woman came that day. They joined, all of them joined me, the girls. They beat me up. They beat me up. They said, oh, we're going to welcome you with beating. They beat me, beat me. Got me well beaten, well trashed, like a baby. I cried. I cried. I cried. And then one lady just said to me, if you want to survive here, you have to do what we are doing. If not, they're going to be beating you like this every day. And you don't know this place. I say, well, I'm going to shout. The woman say, you shout, nobody will help you. The highest thing, this Obi can take you to another part of the country. Maybe they will kill you there. You want to die? I say, no, I don't want to die. So just behave yourself. Just be calm. Nobody knows tomorrow. Maybe you'll find a way to escape from me. All of us will find a way to escape from me. I was so stubborn. I was so stubborn because what I've gone through in Cameroon, it's like I've come to meet the same thing again in a country that she told me that you, I will give you good life. I was comparing, thinking, what good life? Is it the good life you've brought me? Is it what you've brought me here? So what have you brought me here for? So I said, okay. One day, I, I was there for, an eight, for at least eight months. <laughs> I met, I follow one lady. Miss Obi wasn't around. She went, I think she went to Italy. But she always come and just give things order. One day, a man took me out. Came. They don't, you don't even know where they're taking you. A, a car will just be arranged for you, take you straight, pam, you go, and then they'll come back with you. When I went to that man's house, I was crying. 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 The man called now. The manager said, this young girl, she's crying. Oh, I don't, I can't, I don't want this girl cry. The neighbors will come and be, what is happening? I cried until I said to the man, if you don't leave me, go. He said, I can't leave you because you don't know where you are. I don't, I don't care. You can go on the road and cry and die. Said, no, I don't want you to die. Let me take you back. He brought me back. When I came back, the woman was screaming at me. What are you doing? You are spoiling our business. I said, what business? He said, you are spoiling. So I don't know. I know any places. I had that. I had that mind to go to the police, but I never knew how to start to go there. I never even knew you can call nine. I never even knew anything about this country. I was naive. I never knew anything. Nobody was in a control vessel in my life. So my life was like a like a remote control. They was controlling me. Yeah, go yeah, go yeah. So I didn't know anything back and forth. I didn't know anything. I just work on their decision. So on one day, one glorious day, I follow one lady. She said she's going to the market. I said, let's go. 
as the lady went with me, that was around, I think when I came to know it was Peckham. That's why I know it's Peckham. I just disappeared. I was crying. I was crying. And the lady, one lady met me. Her name is Amina. The lady said to me, are you okay? Follow me, follow me. I was just crying. I said, I need help. I need somebody to help me. I need help. I'm lost in here. I was so late. It was around, you know, winter time. Then the summer was sail pass. No jacket. Everybody was like wondering what's going on with her. Is she all right? Is she all right? One lady followed me. I said, are you okay? I said, no, I need help. I said, okay, wait for me. I'm just here. I'm, I'm from Leicester. I said, where is Leicester? I don't know Leicester. I don't know anyway. I said, I will, I said, I will help you. Don't worry. Let me just pay my stuff. Come. So I was shivering. And then the one woman gave me a pullover for me too, like a jumper for me to wear. So the woman said, tell me what happened. I said to her, I'm looking for police station to go. If you want to help me, please, can you show me any police station for me to go? She said, don't go to the police. They'll send you back to your country. That's what she said. If you go to police station, you'll be, you, they'll send you back to Cameroon. So I know in Camaro what I've gone through. And each time they say Camaro, I'll be so scared. I'll be so scared. So she took me to Leicester. I wanted shelter and I wanted a place to live. She took me to Leicester. When I went to Leicester with her, we arrived in Leicester. It made me a cup of tea. I need to go and shower. And when I was showering, she came and was looking at me. So it was it was a big word to me that somebody you don't know is having a shower. And then you came and was, you know, watching mm -hmm. her, saying, Oh, you have a nice body, or oh, I like your boob. I was like, Oh, thank you. I was so scared. I said, Well, maybe she wants to kill me, or there's something she wants to do. So and then she said to me, Do you have any clothes? I don't have any clothes. Okay, don't worry, I'll give you one pyjama. Give me one. Nice truck suit, warm. I wore it. And then she made some food. I ate. You know, she really welcomed me. I ate. And then I was telling her, because I never wanted to say to anybody, I never knew who was she. Never wanted to come out. <coughs> Sorry. To come back my sexuality. I never knew who was she. And then later on, <coughs> are you okay? Do you have a boyfriend? I said, no, I don't have. Do you have any man that you slept? Say, well, a few men. Okay. I said, I asked her, do you have, I asked her, I said, do you have a husband? She said, no, I have a girlfriend. If she doesn't leave here, comes only in the weekend. But don't worry, you can still stay with me while she's here. We have another, another small room. You can stay in the small room. You can stay in the living room. Let my girlfriend come yourself. Okay. So she said to me, Come on, so I said, I want to sleep because I'm a bit tired and it's like I'm a bit ill. I'm very cold. They said to me, okay, I'll give you a dover. I said, can I have something to cover my eyes? They go and sleep in the bed. I will come and get you up. I was so scared. One man came. I don't know who came and ring her bell. And then I heard noise. They were talking. So I was like, oh my God, are they going to kill me in this house? You know, so many thoughts was in my head. So I said to her is there any police station near here? I want to go there. Go and report myself that I'm lost. Go and tell them what I've gone through in life. You say, what police station are you looking for? You say, sleep there. There's no police station here. And if there's police station, if you go, I've told you, if you go, you go back to Cameroon. She was getting a bit harder with me that evening. If you go back, if you, if you go back, I'll send you back to London where you belong. 
I was sleeping. I came, I was sleeping, I was so scared. I cannot sleep. My eyes were open. You know you are sleeping, but you know you are not sleeping. My eyes were open because I don't know what was happening. I don't know her. You know, somebody you know, never met in your life will come and be watching at you while you are while you are showering. I don't know who she was like. It was a bit strange for me. And then I heard her. She was talking on the phone, talking to her partner. I said, I brought a very lovely girl. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. She's going to spend a night with us. Yeah. Spend a night in the flag with me. Yeah. And she got a problem. Blah, 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 blah. She was talking. And then she came now on the bed now. was sleeping. She started romancing me. She took advantage of me. The romancing me, kissing me, touching me. You know, that affection. I did all this not because I really wanted, but I had not. I had no choice. I gave my body to her like that. I had no choice. That week, that week, and I was there like Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday. So she had sex with me throughout the Friday. The partner came and then she asked me to go and sleep in the living room. But then one day in the afternoon, they brought a mattress. I sleep in the living room. So we become like friends, talking, you know, helping me. Then they brought a mattress. I should sleep down. I should open my leg. I said, what for? Why should I put my leg? Yeah, my partner wants to see something. I said, no. It's like they, they were talking together. So the partner said, open your leg there. So the partner opened my leg and putting his hand inside my leg and be touching there. She was holding my boot, playing with me. Oh, God, I saw a lot of things, you know. So they were giving me shelter. And that was a shelter. They abused it in my life. Until one day, he said to me, She's going to America. I don't know what problem she had. That was 2000 and 2008. She said she's going to America 2009. And they left me a small room. I was living there. I don't know what happened. Look for me a job. She looked for me what I was doing, like a carer. She looked for me a job. Gave me, I don't know what document she used. At least I only name and everything. And then I was, I was there walking and walking. And then one day, one of my friends, I met a friend there. So I said, I really want to go to the police to say something about my, my life. So he said to me, go in police, go for. Hey, you know this, you know country that you came from? Say, yeah, Cameroon. He said, do you know they're going to send you back to Cameroon? They're going to deport you back to Cameroon? Did you have paper? I said, no. So she was like, asking me a lot of questions. Do you have paper? I never, I never even knew what was paper. I never even knew the law of immigration in this country. I was so, you know, blank. I never even knew. What was the law? What was not the law? And then, just forget, just stay quiet where you are. That's at me. And then I met a lovely girl called Caroline. She was bisexual and we fell in love, fell in love with her. And then she was really, really good. And then I never, but she tricked me up. She had a man, she had a man, which I never knew. His man was with her. Then we had a separation. And then 2010, I was caught by the immigration. And from there, my journey of immigration started. 2010, they, caught, they came to where I was working. Um, they just came to do a spot check. People and then, I just believe somebody somebody called, but I don't really know. They did a spot check. Unfortunately, that day I was there at work. And then they took me straight. They gave me, I was locked up in a cell for three nights. And then, after that, I was taken to the Crown Court and they judged me and they gave me six months 
the prison. They took me to Peterborough Prison. Which in Peterborough Prison, a second asylum there. Asylum there. By then, I didn't mention my sexuality because I never knew you can claim asylum with your sexuality. And I met a lot of people, and then one lady was like, there are some charities in London which I can call for you so that you can get can get known to them. And they gave me Notre Dame, which I contact them, and uh, I had no phone. I just called with the prison number. But they said, okay, they will come and visit me, and they came and visited me, and they tried to get me a phone, which they contacted me. When I came out now, I was sent to detention, and detention now... I came out again and they took me to Birmingham. Birmingham, you know, no more physical, they took me to everywhere. They took me to Birmingham, they took me to Cardiff, and then Cardiff, and Swansea. In Swansea, they, I mean, Cardiff, I was in the hotel in Cardiff for almost like three to six, four months. Yeah, I was there, then they gave me a place now in Swansea. In Swansea, in Cardiff, I mean, in, in Cardiff, were like six women sharing one room. Six women, different tribes, just speaking different languages, almost even smoking, making a lot of noise in the bomb bed. You know, it was horrible, horrible, horrible. You don't know where you begin, you don't even know where you stand. So, um, I know one girl was a lesbian, they always come to my bed, just to talk to me and just have, just have our own head and head talk. Sometimes she wanted to play with us, you know, I'm not in the mood really. Oh, I've gone through my life, you know. I kept myself to myself. Oh. And then when I went to France, my case was refused. My home office refused my case. That's in 2010 in July, and they asked me to leave immediately, leave their house, the house I was living in. So my support all stopped. Little money they were giving me, they stopped everything. And then I went to one woman, Congo lady I met in um, Swansea who tried to get contact with some other agents and other um, charities in London. And she said, you know, one charity, I said, I've heard about Notre Dame, but they came to visit me in prison. said, okay, you stay here. I have a big, and I'm going to work. And then she gave me a place to, to sleep. I was sleeping, and the brother came from work, wanted to take advantage of me. So I was crying and screaming, the neighbor had to come. I said, so they called the sister. I said, I said, no, you shouldn't be doing this to her. You know, she was really, I was really, really upset. I said, well, I saw your brother getting his trouser and knickers coming to have sex because I was putting on the trouser. I always sleep with the trouser. I screamed and the baby get up. The baby was crying as well. So the neighbors heard me shouting and then I, I opened the door. The neighbor called me to come and say, why didn't they there? I was talking to the neighbor. So I would call her. She's my neighbor. She's a very good neighbor. Gonna start, I said to her that I can't sleep. I'll just wait for you to come for me to give your daughter, and then I have to go somewhere. Then she called the charity now, and I told them I was crying. They have to spend some money in her account but to put me in, um, keep me inside a coach for me to come to London. So when I came to London now, that I met a lot of all these charities, Ellen Bamba. Notre Dame make me to know Ellen Bamba. Notre Dame make me to know women for women for refugee women and women for all African women. Notre Dame make me to know Jesuit Chris, and then I have to just connect myself with all of the charities, so which was really helpful to me. 
I didn't have no case in the home office. I was really, I was empty because my case was refused and I have to do a fresh claim, which I sat for some time. I said to myself, if I go now to home office, they're going to lock me up again. So I have to wait. So they have to look for me. A lawyer will take my case. And then I'll explain to Barbara that this is my sexuality. So I say, well, that's a good case. So we'll see. I know more people say no because for the length of time that you've not told them, but some people in this country, I was giving me, don't worry about that. There are people in this country that they can't come out because of one or two reasons. So don't worry about that. The lawyer, they can search you, they'll help you. And then I was there waiting and they gave me Fadiga, um, which was one solicitor, which they tried to build up my case, we waited for one year, two years, we waited for my file, my whole file from home office, which took a long time for the home office to send my file back to my solicitor, to another solicitor. Because they were writing and writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. I said, no, they can't just get my case like that without getting the whole history, the whole my history, which that's how they do. They waited and waited and waited and waited. No way. So the file came like a year after. And then 2012, they opened a file and told them, well, they are getting into my case. So they'll give them time because they need to study my case. So they put me back on report, reporting. I was going to London Bridge to report there. 2012, I was reporting London Bridge. In 2019, I reported every Monday, every week. And then a lawyer said, no, I was ill. And Helen Bamba said, no. When I got to Helen Bamba, connection to Helen Bamba, Helen Bamba said, no, it's on therapy. This lady needs, you have a problem. You have a mental problem, mental health problem. You can't be allowing her to be going. And sign it for a week every month. And if I go there, oh God, no, my, before I will even enter into that place, my heart will be there, all like I'm gone back to my country, you know? Because some people will just go to tell them, Are you okay? Come. I'll be like, When I go on Monday, I come out. I'll hold my heart. I say, Oh God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes I will go with this, with a support worker from Elembamba. One day I went there, I have to be detained. They detained me and Helen Bamba called. Send them written letters. I always just send them written letters. Send them written letters to release me. I was there till nine o'clock in the night they released me. And then I have to call, take Helen Bamba to pay for me a cab, take me home. Sitting in cold for no good reason. For no good reason. So frustrating, you know. And then I waited now, came back home, slept. So my case, I was in between my charities, and now they accept to give me a one-month process of signing. So I will go each month to sign, each month to sign. I will sign and wait for one month. Every month I'm going to sign, not two weeks anymore. So they made it for every month, every month, every month, every month. Till my case now, they have the, um, the Lembamba report, the medical report for my psychiatry report was made, which... I went to a friend place to visit a friend in 2013. I will have a baby in um, Forest Gate. And 
in that process, I think the Home Office had um, the immigration, um, uh, the um, UK border. Of course, they had, I don't know, they were looking for somebody there. So they have permission, everything, where of arrest came to come to that address. And I was there in that address, unfortunately. And then they just came and took everybody. They asked everybody for documents. And even the landlord said, no, they gave them one of arrest. And this boy's picture, one person, the council said they gave them one person, just one person they were looking for. So we don't know whether who is who there, who is not who there, but it's just one person. So I was there and they took me now straight to the household. That was the worst time in my history, right? In the household. That was the worst time in my history in the household that I never, I would say it loud and loud, I would never and ever allow anybody to be put in that place because it's not a place for human beings. It's a place for me, it's a place for animals. But the way, I, the way people are treated there, so they took me to, um, to the home office in London Bridge. I was there like till seven, and then Bamba wrote letters, faxes, call, solicitors, charity, all of them came. They never gave it down. They never gave it down. They never even care. I was shivering with cold because I had nothing. They never even gave me damn. It just took me straight. As I went, took me straight to the to detention center. 2013, I went there. Detention center again. This is my second time. Right. I cried. I cried. I begged God, say, God, don't do this to me. Don't allow this to me. I was there now. The psychiatrist doctor called me and to finish my call. My report was almost about to finish to ask me if I'm feeling. I'm not feeling well. So every day I was crying for my. So let's not put an injunction. I was there for one month, two months, three months, three and a half months. Torture, not torture. They take me, they took me to one of their places they call um, Kinshasa because I was not eating. Because I wasn't eating. And they kept me on suicide watch because I told them one day that I'm going to kill myself. And women for women, women for all refugee women, they came and visited me and they heard me say that on the phone. And they, they have to call and say, to have said this to And if anything happened to try in detention, we're going to sue you people. We're going to sue you people. Sophie came right there. Sophie was a journalist. She came right there to get my statement. So, they followed Sophie, they know Sophie, so they are coming for tour. And Sophie gave me some befenders, their numbers. So I met one nice befenders, there were two of them, a man and a lady. So I was crying, they have to come. I said, What is the matter? So I told them, so As I said, I'm, I'm going to eat myself. So they have to take everything. They took everything from my table, everything, my soap, anything that is liquid that can, you know, somebody can drink and, yes. So I was having suicide wash for two months everywhere I go. Detention. And, and when you were in Yarnswood, uh, yeah. were you, um, obviously, I mean, we've been, thankfully, it's closed now, but there was, you know, we were protesting for a long time to get it closed. Yeah. And were, when you were actually in there, were you aware of the protests at all? Yes, there came, there came one time which I was called by the women from Refugee Women. And they were talking to me and said to her, they were talking on my phone. Although the guys, you know, the um, the the guy, the uh, the officers, they don't want us to use our phone. They came and was, so I have to hide my phone. 
And I said, I don't have any. I have to off my phone, took my battery. And when they left, we locked our door. They, I mean, they always lock the door. I have to go inside the bathroom with one of my friends. I was talking to them that we are dying. They said to her, tell us what has happened. I was talking, shouting, screaming. I said, we are dying. This is what I'm, I'm having through. They are coming in Kishasha. I was telling them what I've been going through. They said, okay, but well, don't worry. We are fighting for you people. We are here. You can see us. We are shouting. We are fighting for this shutdown. So don't worry, you are not alone. We are behind you people. Yeah. So that gave me a, a little bit of hope and, you know, that courage not to, not to just stay there and sit quiet. And I had my faith that any little thing I see in there that they are doing for women, I always say it because one glorious day, I was in my room. I came from the toilet to shower, from shower. And the officer just went into my bashed into my room without even knocking. And I was naked. Absolutely, I was naked. And I came out naked. I said, what do you want to see? Oh, he said, I'm sorry. I said, you don't have to do this. You need, we have respect no matter what. We need that dignity of women. We need that dignity, that respect as a woman. So you came into this room without even knocking. And you are happy to see my nakedness. So this is my nakedness. I came out. Like a matter, I came out, everybody was shouting. Everybody, everybody, the tennis came out behind me. I walked through their office naked. And they came and they held my hand, handcuffed my hand and put me. I said, well, what is wrong? I said, no. He came into my room. I said, he can never deny. There's, he go up there and say sorry to everyone, all the women. I said, we are not slaves. We are not your women. We come from different, different parts of the world, no matter that, that we are here without, without have any paper. You don't have that right to be doing that to me. You came to deliver a message. You never knock in the room. You never knock. You just open the door. You never knock. Just back in to see what you want to see. I say it means that the story that we are hearing that some of you, you stay, you sleep with girls, you sleep with girls here, that you lied and that you get them out of detention. That's a true story. The man look at me and say, yes, I'm going to make a report about this. And they called, office called, officer called me. So to uh, send a fax to my solicitor straight away. And my solicitor called him. After that incident, two weeks, my injunction went past and then they took me off the household. I was released from your household. So you're free, yeah. Yeah, I was released from your household. And that was the end of your household in my life. I was from your household. I came back. I didn't sign home office send me. Letter and the uh, mama said, I'm not gonna sign for now because they have to give me time to get to to, to recover what I've gone through in life. I was there for three and a half months. And then yeah, and then we waited and waited for the office to get my first appeal. By then I didn't say Oh, that's okay. I spoke, okay. To, Kate about, yeah. I spoke to Kate about my sexuality, which I said to her, not told anybody. And she said, okay, that's fine, that's fine. But she asked me, like, 2000, and I was still battling with immigration, like, 2015, because I had a friend, a partner, 2015, she was French, and we were dating, but in a very quiet way. I never knew I can take this to home office that oh, I'm dating a girl, I'm nobody knows my sexuality. So one more was saying that it's a very, very good case. If you put it nicely, if you have some people, LGBT good people, they can help you. 
and you win your case. A lot of women, they win their case. And the country that you're coming from, Cameroon, we've known the history. One of my friends was telling me, try, you have to speak up so that they know what you're going through in life. Don't keep it quiet. So I was a bit scared again. So what the thing is, lady, where then one day I went to church. I mean, I was going to my church. No matter my sickness, I was going to my church. It doesn't stop you for what you are doing. I was going to church and, you know, you, you, you see you see your girlfriend. And then he, she wanted to hug and kiss me. And then she gave me, she was kissing. And then one woman came and was screaming. What are you doing? Are you a lesbian? You know? In the voice of everybody was looking in the church, looking. Nobody knows me that I'm a lesbian. Nobody knows me. Pouting and screaming. So I said, What have I done? I said, What have I said? You mind your business. You mind your bloody business. So I said, What have I done? I said, You that you have so you have three children with different fathers who have said that to you. Did I complain? I said, Mind your business. That is my life. So what is your problem? You know, I went to church. I never wanted to go back home. So I just said, I took that faith that I have to go to that church. So I went to church. And everybody was like, well, are you a lesbian? Everybody was looking at me. They went, now the pastor now called me after church and said, well, I want to see you after church. So I went now, pastor. And I said, pastor, you want to see me? What is happening? He said, well, in our, in our, um, domain, domain, uh, in our church here, ministry here, we can't accept lesbian in this dominion. So we advise you to either you stop what you're doing or you come here like normal person or you know you don't come anymore. Because it's not good. Our our church doesn't accept this. So I said, okay. I left with a heavy heart. I was crying. I cried throughout in the train until I arrived. By then I was living in Canada. I cried throughout and I arrived. Everybody was asking, what are you talking about? My room, my room, my room. The house I was living in was asylum seekers. So all of them were asking, are you okay? I said, I'm not okay. I was telling one girl. She said, what? What does she tell? What's her problem? So I went to tell Kate. Kate said, no, no, no. So now I have to come out. I came out in 2017. Openly now. Came out of my relationship now, came out and said, This is me and who I am. And then it said, Don't worry, I'll help you, I'll link you with a lot of LGBT groups, which I was linked with Lady Field and um, all women of lesbian, uh, Rainbow Sisters, um, the Sell Out Clubs. With girls and ladies, so they linked me with all of this um, LGBT group, and I was going to the UK, GD, I was going there for meetings and explaining. I was crying, explaining my story. So don't worry, you coming out now is not a problem. There are people who have come out like you, just come out yesterday. You don't worry about that. We're gonna start. You. We're gonna help you through your journey. It's a big journey for you. Don't worry about the time coming out, and they helped me throughout. And my case was refused as normal homophobes. They don't believe me because I don't have a picture. I've never been to a lesbian club. <laughs> so everybody was laughing. <laughs> so it, it's so ridiculous, isn't it? 
yeah. kind of how the they would qualify yeah. whether or not you're gay yeah, or a lesbian. Yeah. Yeah, they said that, that I've never been, they don't believe me, I'm just making up, blah, blah, blah. Well, I've never shown them that I have a partner or I've never shown them that I've been to a lesbian bar or anything. So they don't believe me. It's left to the judge to accept that. Okay, Kate took that letter. Kate was so angry. She to everybody, everybody. And then one day, at least Kate's friend had, um, had uh, um, something function where they were all lesbian and um, and gay all lesbian girls and yeah they came back so he, he caught, invited me there in central London and I went there oh, we had this phone everybody kid was telling me I had a friend here why can you come outside they, this is a girl who came was reading my letter in front of everybody that this listing what the home office the head of the, the home office department say this is your English and this is what they say in White and black ink. Kate was reading it in front of everybody. Was, what? Picture? Do I come? I'll give you pictures. I'll even say that. Come, everybody was having pictures for me. Everybody was having lovely pictures and everything. Everything with me, you know, kissing me around. So they call it La, uh, Lavia, the Lavia Nights. So we're having the Alice. Everybody was, Kate was in my case, taking it so, so strange. That, how can they say that? So one couple of them said, I'm a lesbian. I got married when I was like 20, my partner. And I've never been to any of those clubs. I don't even know where they are. I don't even know where they are. So I don't know why they are saying all this. You know, the home office was so, so. So he said, okay, who will come to you? The first, my first appeal, all of them came in court. It was like 150 people who came out to support me. In Taylor House Court, a hundred and Wonderful. and the judge, the judge was like, "You don't have room for everybody." Kate said, "We're gonna make room." All the condom, you can all the condom LGBT, all the kids. Kate said, "We don't have room." It was like a drama. They're gonna look for a room, and then they have to adjoin this case. And then the solicitor was the a barrister. He was really, really good. He was really, really perfect. A lot of stuff that the home office did, a lot of mistakes and a lot of things that they never sent to the judge. So she spotted it and said, no, I can't carry on with this case without having the full file of TWA. I need the full file of TWA. If we have all the full file, the bundles of TWA, I'll carry on. And then the judge said, okay, I'll give you an adjournment. And we want this file by end of April. Without this file, and then I will give my judgment in a different way. And then we go, so, so we should go home. Go home now, put everything. And then my solicitor, too, she was really good there. My solicitor was very good. Hackney and Law Center, I love the solicitor. So they did a country report, my trafficking. Because my trafficking, Fadigar did my trafficking. But the home of this, they call them Salvation um, Army, they did it. When they just talked to me on the phone, so my solicitor said, no, they rush me, they rush you because they need something to look for this national, they need, yes, they rush you that much. So they, they look at it again, country report about my trafficking and they, it was accepted. So those, those trafficking results now, they can't deny it. And it was so, the big, my file was so big. In November, 2019, it was a big file. They can't even, they can't even say no. And the phone is at home office never turn up. 
They didn't came to the, my court hearing. Um, office didn't came. To after all Yeah, um, office didn't came. Mm -hmm. So I won the case. And this is me now. Fantastic. And it's Thanks just, I mean, it's so lovely now. to hear of all the support that Kate and, and uh, women listening will know Kate Smurthway for, uh, you know, other work. She went the extra mile for it you, didn't she? so marvellous. Yeah. Kate has been so marvellous. Up to now, she's still supporting me. She has been so marvellous. I've never seen the set. You don't need to have a family who is sister. She is my sister. I'll call her my sister in this country. My white sister. My British sister. <laughs> He's been there. He made me to know. I met her in Women for for Refugee Women. She was a teacher there. Mm -hmm. And she was the one who spotted me and said, Well, there's something strange about you. Are you tell me about you? Are you a lesbian? She would just say, Don't worry, don't worry. And she was good, mm -hmm. you know. And she called the people and telling that twice suffering for something which we need to It strikes me there's a there's a real kind of like balance here between the enormous trauma that you've experienced uh, throughout your life mm -hmm. and the, the just plain shameful way in which mm -hmm. the Home Office has treated you and treated yeah. the case as it's gone through. Yeah. But also, and I think sometimes in darkness, we, we see the light more clearly, but the mm -hmm. support that you've had from the organizations like Helen Bamba, um, like Helen from Bamba, Kate, oh, from yeah. Women for Refugee Women. Women for Refugee Women, Rainbow Sisters, oh, they have, they have yeah. been marvelous. They have been the bone in my case, like Helen Bamba has mm. been, they have been there. Zewi, they have been there. We have an LGBT group, they call all, all stars. They have been there. They have been working with me to see this journey come to a success. Mm. Trust me. And I think sometimes when people perhaps donate money to these causes because they want to be supportive and that, you know, they want to help, but they may not yeah. realise actually how much difference it makes to, to women yeah. like you that are fighting the system. And it's, it's their support that helps you get I through fought. it. I fought. I fought. The journey wasn't easy, Sally. Mm -hmm. I fought. Sometimes I would say to myself, can you, am I going to leave this journey? I will ask myself question. So are you going to leave these people to beat you up? I said, no, I will fight. I said, no matter how many years, 15 years, I will fight. I said, I will fight. In court, I was screaming, shouting. Someone was looking at They were looking at me my first year. They were looking as if they just said, you don't intimidate her. Allow her to talk. She had the right to talk. You don't intimidate her. And you don't tell her she's not a lesbian. No. He just told him, don't tell her she's a lesbian. She have just told you she is, and she is. That what she said. I'm bringing all these people here. I don't think she's telling a lie. Absolutely, and it's. I mean, looking forward now to her. You finally settled and, and got your status. Yeah. So, what what are your hopes for the future now? Yeah. Um. Actually, I'm trying to get to uni, uni next year to study um, mental illness. Mm -hmm. And then I'm trying to, I've tried just to get some a small job. Uh, I'm a health uh, care assistant now. Uh, with the pandemic, I don't work that much. I just work like two weeks mm -hmm. in a month. Yeah. And then come back home, you yeah. know. 
So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, and then breaking barriers has been so helpful with my um, application for uni. They have helped me with my personal mm-hmm. statement. It's a lovely girl called Maya. She's been so, she's a star in my life. She's they've helped me so much, so much, so much, which I'm really, really, mm-hmm. I'm really, really thankful to her. So that's I'm really, really happy. She's been there for me. We wish you all the very best to her and after all that's that's happened in your life so far we hope that the rest of your life is is filled with happiness and and joy Uh, and thank you for sure and thank you so much for sharing your story with us because I think the the reality of what um, women in in countries where you know lesbianism isn't accepted what they go through women who have been forced into prostitution women who have been trafficked uh, and women fighting the the immigration system the the reality of what that feels like and what that looks like it's so good to to make that real for our listeners to know uh, you know what that what the reality of that is so we really appreciate you taking the time to to share with us you take good care Thank of you. yourself too. It's it's been just absolutely lovely to speak to you today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. We are incredibly grateful to all the women who donate their time and their efforts to create this podcast. That includes our guests, our interviewers, and our editors. You can find us on your favorite listening platforms like Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for Philia Podcast. Please help us reach even more women. You can do that by subscribing to our show, by sharing this podcast with your friends, with your family, and with your coworkers, or by leaving us a positive rating and review. Philia organizes the largest annual grassroots feminist conference in the UK. We would love to see you there. You can support our work by joining the Friends of Philia scheme, by giving a solidarity ticket so that even more women can join our conference, and by subscribing to our newsletter. Please take a look around our website, philia.org.uk, to find out more. Together, Women make magic happen, and we can't wait to be in touch with you.